Or, you know, don't. When you sit in church, I don't know if you've noticed this, we talk about Jesus a lot. Has anyone noticed this? Has anyone asked yourself, why do we do that? It seems to be kind of central. That question, why, I find children ask a lot. I've got a three-year-old son, and he asks why all the time. Sometimes it actually makes no sense, and it makes me think he doesn't even understand the concept of why. He doesn't even understand what the word means. Like, we were sitting down at lunch, and uh, he said, Daddy, what's this? I said, it's turkey breast. And he said, why? And I thought, I've got no, I've got no reference point for how to ask, answer that. I don't even know what you're talking about. But I reckon I've figured out why kids ask why all the time. Because they literally don't know anything. They don't know anything. So they're just trying to get some foundational understanding. And on that foundational understanding, then they can try and figure out how the world works. But until then, they're just going to keep saying, why to try and get you to tell them anything so that's my strategy now as a dad when he says why and i don't understand i'll just talk about stuff and he seems to love it he says keep talking about that i don't know what you i don't know what you want me to talk about but he seems to be happy to just listen to me talking because he's kind of absorbing some things but this year as cody mentioned we're going to be asking the question why and we're starting with why jesus because at, just like kids are building a foundational understanding, if you and I as adults, if we don't check our foundations on which we've built our life, the house that you build can come crumbling down. Unless we actually understand why we do the things we do and we believe the things we believe, then we're just left with learning rules and behaviours and that looks a lot more like dead religion than it does like a faith that's alive on the inside of us. Is that all right? Cool. Turn to the person next to you say, I'm glad I'm sitting next to you this morning. And if you're not sitting next to anyone, talk to yourself and say, I'm glad you brought me this morning. So the question this morning is, why Jesus? The other night I was putting my son to bed and uh, I prayed for him. <clears throat> and then he said, Daddy, I can't see God. I said, no, that's right. Nobody can see him. Because like, there's something about if we see him, he's so amazing that it's not good for us. He said, so is God pretend? I said, well, not everyone believes in God, but I don't, I don't think he's pretend. He said, no, 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 no. I mean, is he pretend like on TV? And it took me a while to figure that out. I said, do you mean is God animated? Like is God a cartoon? He said, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I said, well, no, God's not animated. Uh, even though we can't see him, I said, Jesus came so that we could see Jesus and know what God is like. He said, oh, how can I see Jesus? I said, well, you can't see him either. He's in heaven with the Father, and, it's like, and, and then he sent the Spirit, and before you ask, you also can't see the Spirit. <laughs> so it's all quite confusing, trying to understand and teach these foundational truths to a three-year-old is a challenge, but I'm up for it, I'll give it a go, you know, who knows how it will go, but I'll give it a whirl. This morning I want to explain to you why I don't think 
that Jesus is pretend, animated or false. And, and why Jesus is actually the key to our believing in and seeing God. At the end of the day, every one of us needs to answer the same question that Jesus asked his disciples. And that is, who do you say that I am? Because everyone else can decide who they think Jesus is. But that doesn't mean that you've answered the question, who do you say that I am? I visited a cathedral once in Germany, in Cologne, and we went down into the catacombs, and there the guides showed us that they had three tombs. And they said, these tombs are the tombs of the three wise men. And I was like, I'm doubtful. <laughs> Firstly, we don't even know if there were three wise men. There were just three gifts. The Bible doesn't talk about three wise men. Secondly, how do you know that they're the tombs of the three wise men? It's a long time ago. And they're in Germany. Why are they in Germany? This happened in the Middle East. But somewhere along the line, someone picked up a story that these three tombs are the tombs of the three wise men. And so then I went home to my friend's house who I was staying close to and talk, was talking to his dad about my trip to the cathedral. And I expressed my, uh, my doubts about the tombs. And I, I asked him, I said, do you believe that they're the tombs of the three wise men? And what he answered was fascinating to me. He said, yes, I'm a Catholic. <laughs> so, but that's interesting, right? Because it seemed like in his mind, everything was ground truth. Like, you get a list, like you want to be a Catholic? Here's a list of all the things that you need to believe, including that these three tombs were the th tombs of the three wise men. And so I felt differently. I felt like I'm comfortable disagreeing on the credibility of the three tombs in Germany. We just need to get clear on the ground truth, on the foundations, what is at the center of our faith. And then we can talk about all the other stuff. But unless we can come to an agreement on the center, then I don't know, I don't even have a map. I don't even have a reference point as to how we talk about what even is truth. Oh, turn to the person next to you say, what is truth? Oh, we're getting deep this morning. At the center of it all, the ground truth of our faith is Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 15, he says, it says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? The Son of Man is a, is a name that Jesus used for himself. And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So they're basically saying, lots of people think that you are other great men like reincarnated or come back. But what about you, Jesus asked? Who do you say that I am? That's the question that all of us need to answer. Who do we say that he is? When I was young, I, I uh, thought I was clever, and I've uh, since been relieved of that burden. But <clears throat> I wasn't a Christian, and I would go around trying to trip Christians up with my tricky, clever questions. And one of the questions that I would ask is, how can Christianity be true and every other religion be false? And what I was really asking is, how can you be confident in Christianity 
unless you have done equal study of every single other worldview, how can you know that yours is the truth? <clears throat> and I've since discovered, I never really felt like I got a satisfying answer, but I've since discovered that it's actually quite easy to believe in one truth to the exclusion of all others. In fact, every truth is to the exclusion of other truths. Every religion, every worldview, including atheism, claims exclusivity. They claim this is the exclusive truth, this is the way. Even Buddhism, which is perceived to be very open and just have nice teachings and learn what you like, at the center of Buddhism is Siddhartha Buddha, who rejected the Hindu ways that his parents taught him in favor of the worldview that he developed. And so even Buddha is claiming exclusivity. And so in every worldview, you can have an exclusive truth claim, and that means that you can actually test every worldview and choose for yourself without having to fully understand every aspect of every worldview. You just need to look at Jesus, see what he said about himself, and that gives you the tools with which you can decide if we believe in him or not, and who do you say that he is. Why would that be possible unless Jesus is also claiming exclusivity? In John chapter 14, verse 1, it says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus talking. He says, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you always may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Does anyone feel like they know the, place, the way to the place where he is going? Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered. I am the way and the truth and the life. Not, I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you know, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, like my James said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. <clears throat> Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. That sounds like a pretty exclusive truth claim to me. There was a little girl drawing and her dad came over and said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the father said, how can you draw a picture of God? No one knows what God looks like. And she said, if they just wait a minute, they're about to find out. <laughs> Jesus is the visible image of an invisible God. That's what he claimed to be. He said, look to me. Consider that. No, I'm going to say that later. If I ever get confused about my ground truth, 
If I ever, if I ever start to experience doubts or, or the complexities of, of, of this mysterious faith of ours, I just return to the historical Jesus and the evidence that there is. Because I can't get past those things. I can't figure out another way to logically work through the historical Jesus and not then put my trust and faith in God. Here's the questions that I think that need answering. Is that all right if we just go real all the way back to the right questions? Thanks, Liz and Ashley. I appreciate that. You guys are on board. I'll preach down here. Okay. <laughs> Here's the questions that need answering. Did Jesus even exist? What do you think? Oh, well, so, <laughs> if you were in church and someone said, did Jesus even exist? And you thought, no. Would you say no? No, you'd just be quiet, wouldn't you? It's okay. If you're here this morning and you feel like no, <coughs> that's fine. I'm talking to you as well. So what we need to come to terms with, did Jesus, did Jesus even exist? There is historical evidence for a, a real Jesus, a person that is Jesus. And not just in the Bible. The Roman historians talked about him. They wrote about him. And a Jewish historian, Josephus, also talked about him. He said this. He's talking about Pontius Pilate. And he says, Now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it's lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works. A teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. And then he goes on to talk about his crucifixion and his alleged resurrection. So there's actually historical evidence for Jesus in the Bible and outside the Bible. So if we look at the evidence that's in the New Testament, in the Bible, we have to ask the next question, is that account, is that text reliable? Some people would say, well, the New Testament was written a very long time ago. How do we know that what they wrote has not been just changed over the years? And the answer to that question is, well, actually, we do know that what they wrote has not been changed. Because we know that through a science called textual criticism. And that's a science that uh, looks into what the original writers wrote based on uh, the manuscripts and the copies that we have. And so basically, the more manuscripts you have, and the earlier they are, the less doubt there is about the original text. So, for example, if we can just nerd out for a second on biblical history, there's some other historical texts you might compare the New Testament to. There's a book called, like, by Herodotus and Thucydides, 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 Thucydides. And he's speaking in tongues. There we go. Uh, and they were both written in the 5th century in BC, BC. So the earliest copy we have is 900 AD. So there's a 1,300-year time gap, and we have eight copies of each of them. Tacitus, there's a 1,000-year time gap, and we have 20 copies. Caesar's Gallic War, 950 years, and we have 9 to 10 copies. Livy's Roman History, there's a 900-year gap, and we have 20 copies. When it comes to the New Testament, the New Testament was written between 40 and 100 AD. So we have manuscript evidence as early as 130 AD, and we have full manuscripts by 350 AD. That's a much, much, much shorter time gap. And we have, so you remember those other numbers, like 9, 10, 5, 20? For the New Testament, we have 5,309 Greek manuscripts, 10,000 Latin 
manuscripts and 9,300 other manuscripts. One of the greatest textual critics ever, F.J.A. Hort, said this, In the variety and fullness of the evidence on which it rests, the text of the New Testament stands absolutely and unapproachably alone amongst ancient prose writings, and no secular historian, secular means non-religious, would disagree with that conclusion. Sir Frederick Kenyon, who's an expert on, in this field, sums it up like this. The interval then between the dates of original composition and the earliest extant evidence becomes so small as to be in fact negligible and the last foundation for any doubt that the scriptures have come down to us substantially as they were written has now been removed. Both the authenticity and the general integrity of the books of the New Testament may be regarded as finally established. So we can have confidence that the New Testament text is reliable. You can make a claim that it isn't, but you just have to go against the scholars who study that kind of thing, you know. Then the next question is, well, in that text, what did Jesus actually claim? If you think about the scripture we read earlier about Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you think about other religious leaders, they would often point away from themselves to God, say, this is the way to God. This is, uh, let me tell you about God. Jesus did not do that. Jesus pointed to himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so if you're not God in human form, that's a particularly bold claim that we have to come to wrestle with. It is, if you, if you are God, we have to wrestle with it. He, he goes around claiming to have authority to forgive people's sins. Who, who can do that? I can forgive you if you sin against me, but I can't forgive you for something you did to somebody else. That's crazy. Only God can do that, right? And the people of the time realized it. That's why they went to stone him for saying such things. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. He's making very bold claims. So we're left with one more question. If Jesus was claiming to be God, did Jesus believe that he was who he said he was? Did Jesus actually believe that he was God? Because there's a few options, right? Here's the options. Either Jesus believed that he was God, but he wasn't God. What would that make somebody? confused I think that's a very light way of saying it if you went to a mental health facility and someone ran up to you and said I'm Jesus come back what would you do you would think they're probably delusional or crazy in some some kind unless you want to interrogate their claims right or Jesus didn't believe that he was God but he said he was anyway that's possibly worse than the first one. If the first one is that Jesus was just a crazy lunatic who happened to also change the calendar whereby everybody from that date onwards started measuring time on the basis of their life, that's quite extraordinary. If it's not that, if Jesus didn't believe he was God but he said he was anyway, then what is he? He's a liar and possibly 
an evil liar who has come to deceive people. The third option is that he said he was God because he actually was God. And so that's difficult to wrestle with, but you've got to pick a camp. What do you think? Who do you say that he is? Who do you think he said he was and why? C.S. Lewis put it like this. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said wouldn't be a great moral teacher. He'd either be insane or else he'd be the devil of hell. And you must make the choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else insane or something worse. But don't let us come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He hasn't left that open to us because he didn't intend to. Sherlock Holmes said, I don't have the quote in front of me, so I've got to go verbatim. Something like, uh, if you're left with, an, I'm not going to do the quote because I can't remember it well enough. That's stupid. It's something like, however improbable, once you eliminate the impossible, however improbable, the remaining option is, thank you, Mike. Must be the truth. So the question Jesus poses us is, who do you say that I am? And Jesus asked his disciples, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. If Jesus wasn't the son of God, and Peter answered that, don't you think Jesus would say, whoa, 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 hang on a second. No, he endorses Simon's claim. So who do you think he is? Who do you say that Jesus is? I think this is an important question, even though it feels kind of rudimentary. It's an important question because it's easy to go through life and just not ask the question. You don't test what you think. You don't check against it. And so you can either have thought, think that you've made that decision in the past, and yeah, I know Jesus is God, but unless you actually bring it to the present and keep asking yourself, who is Jesus? Then it can, you can push the whole thing to the side, to your peripherals, and just keep getting on with your life. But when, this, when the question comes front and center, whether it's the first time you've ever asked the question, or every day when you re-ask the question, we need to come to an answer. Because that's the question that will inform the way that we live our, the rest of our life and everything else that we believe. That's the ground truth, the foundation on which we build a house. Jesus said that uh, anyone who builds a house on firm footing, like on his teaching, is like someone building a house, like a life, on rock. People who build their house on other teaching is like building a house on sand where it, the wind and the waves will come and it will blow them over. Thank you. If I say, here's the three responses that you might give to the question, who do you say I am? The first would be, if, if you say he is the Messiah, if you come to that and you've never answered that question for yourself before, then the response you might have is, 
If he is the son of God, if he's the visible image of an invisible God, if Jesus is like God shown to us on earth, then I need to respond because he's also asking you, who do you say that I am? He came that you might have life, that you might be connected to the Father. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. That means his promise is that you can have a relationship with God in heaven. And that he loved you so much that he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to be close to him. He wants to be with you. The God of the universe wants to be near to you. And so he asks you the question, who do you say that I am? And if your response is for the first time, or maybe it's like a refreshed response, if your response is, you're the son of God, you're the Messiah, then our response ought to be, I'm going to ask you to come into my life and be my saviour. I'm going to ask the band to come up. The second response that you might have is maybe you know that you have accepted Jesus. But this is where it gets sticky, right? We've got to keep asking ourselves the question, who do, who do I say that Jesus is? If we say he's the Messiah, the second response we might have is, am I listening to his words? Because many of us, it's easy to think, yes, he's the Messiah, but we've pushed him to the side and we're not bothering to listen to him anymore. We just get on with life. Let's bring that question front and center again and say, who do I say that he is? And am I actually listening to his words? I'd invite you to stand with me this morning. The third response you might have is if you feel like, well, I am listening to his words. I know what Jesus said. The question we need to ask is, am I actually putting those words into action? Am I living out what I believe? When you make this truth the foundational truth of your life, the center or the core, and you consider, how does this change all the other things in my life? If you can keep coming back to that central truth, that's when God begins to move in your life. He begins to change things. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. So the hunger that you feel is satisfied by the bread of life. Some people feel like they're walking around in darkness. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. All these things He gives us, He is to us, that we might have the fullness of life in Him. So I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes wherever you are so that you can have a moment to consider who do you say that Jesus is? Maybe you're not ready to answer the question yet. That's okay. Jesus asked, he, he waited quite a while before he asked his disciples, who do you think I am? But he just walked with them until they were ready. And on the way, they came to believe. So if you're not ready to answer the question this morning, that's okay. 
I would encourage you to just do like what His disciples did. You keep walking with Him and investigate it. Open the Bible. Read the story of Jesus. See what you think about what He claims to be. Maybe you have answered that question for yourself this morning. Who do you think Jesus is? If you've answered the question for the first time, I reckon He might be the Son of God. I reckon He might be the way. I reckon He might be the Saviour. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that this morning. And I would love to pray with you to invite Jesus to come into your heart and begin a new walk with you. So the God of the universe is with you. I'm going to ask you to respond if that's you, whether you're online or here in person. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so that we can pray together. Everyone's eyes are closed, so it's not about doing something publicly, but I want to pray with you. Invite Jesus into your heart so you can walk with Him. Is anyone here this morning for the first time or maybe you're coming back to Jesus, you're saying, Jesus, I want to put my faith in You. I want to ask You into my heart. I want to accept You as my Saviour. If you're here this morning and that's you, just raise your hand and I would love to pray with you. If you're online, thank you, I see that hand. Anyone else who wants to pray that prayer with me? If you're online and you want to pray that, there's a raise hand button in the chat and one of our team will pray with you. That's awesome. Sometimes you can be around for a long time and never set up the foundations. So... Let's pray this all together and then we're going to pray for the other responses. So while your eyes are closed, let's all pray that together, including the person who raised their hand. You can just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for the sins that I've done. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please come into my heart and walk with me for the rest of my days. Thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. Amen. That's good. All right. While your eyes are still closed, maybe you want to respond in a different way. You know that Jesus is your Savior. You've accepted Him. You've responded to Him, to that question. But maybe you feel like you're not listening to His words or that question that, that Jesus is not actually central in your life. Maybe you are listening to His words, but you need help putting it into action. I would love for you to just where you are, while everyone's eyes are closed, lift your hands to heaven and we're going to pray right now. Thank you, Lord. Father God, here in Your presence, we want Your help. God, we want Your help to put You center stage. We want You to make up the foundations of our life. We want You to help us see that we might build our house on the foundations of Your teachings and Your truth. So God, help us to dig deeper into what You taught us. Help us to dig deeper into who You are and help us actually put those things into action that we might build a life that is worthy of our faith. Thank You, God. Holy Spirit, I pray Your presence touch every heart right now.
to give us power to go and do the things that you've asked us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys.